1: This
0: is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman, Jamie
1: Rivers. We'll take the farm animal comment off.
0: Welcome to the Last Minute Blues Podcast, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point, Jamie Rivers from our sister station, 101 ESPN, and you know Jamie, former Blue defenseman, wearing that number six. Gentlemen, a good Thursday to you. How the heck are you? I'm
1: good. Good, good? Donnie. How are you? That's the better question. Well, I'm fine. Yeah? Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Okay. What's all the numbers you wore for the Blues? Just 6 and 20, right? 6 and 20, yes. Yeah. And what what numbers did you wear other places in other cities besides Detroit? Because we don't care about
2: that. Jeff, there's a plethora of numbers. (laughs) Did you run through the numbers? (laughs) Yeah. It got to be comical, so I just started to have fun with it a little bit. Uh, Left St. Louis. I took number 20 in New York with the Islanders. And then 22 in Ottawa. And I'm trying to think. Oh, then I went to Boston. All those three teams were in three years. So I was just like, you know what? This is kind of stupid as it is. And they were on the road when they traded for me. So I flew into Phoenix to meet the Bruins. And uh, they're like, we have number two. We have this. I'm like, those are bad numbers. I'm not wearing that. I'm like, what about 31? Have you got 31? 31. You're like, what? Thirty one? It's a goalie jersey. Right. Perfect. Nice and big. <laughs> so I threw on number thirty one as a joke. And so then I said, Screw it. I just wore the goalie jersey all year. Which came in very handy when you're fighting, by the way. Sure, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's nice and big and you got lots of room to, to get around in there. Wait, um, they literally gave you an actual goalie jersey? Well, yeah. It was made for a goalie. So
1: Oh, see, I thought they would just take a normal jersey and put thirty one on it. Well, for
2: they you. offered to do that. But then, after I wore the goalie jersey for a few games, I was like, you know what? Oh, you just wanted to leave it? I think we'll just leave this I got just you. the way it is. Um, I'm trying to think, well, uh, then I wore number four in Detroit. Some of the best years of my career. <laughs> I'll disagree. <laughs> it was dark times for you and I, I'm just saying. And I wore number five in Phoenix. Nick Lidstrom had asked me to wear number five in Phoenix in honor of him. No, he didn't. He did. Uh, I, so I wore number five in Phoenix. And then I don't know. I lose care. I hey, but I, check Google.
1: You know what? That brings us back around to St. Louis's number five.
0: I absolutely so. Bobby Plager celebrating a birthday today. 78. Oh, Bobby.
1: 78. I did a
0: charity um, thing with him a couple of years ago, and I don't know him like you guys do. <laughs> but what was amazing to me... Bob was very nice to everybody, but he seemed to be especially nice to the pretty ladies.
1: There's no way, because that does not, <laughs> that's, just, that's not like his brand. That's, that's off a coincidence. brand for him.
2: He, yeah. he
0: was way more into talking to my Mary than he was with me.
2: Well, well I would shock in that situation. <laughs> Probably not the first so, time that's happened to
0: me. No, 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 no. I'm used to that.
1: I know you have stories, but my first like ever. Uh, yes, about Mary. Oh. Hey. oh. Hey. What? what? Now, hey. we're, now we're deleting stuff. Hey.
2: hey, Donnie, I just wanted to be clear that he hey. knew that I have stories of Bobby. Hey. <laughs> hey. You, guys he can me as much, you guys can give me as
0: much grief as you want, but there's the lie. <laughs> Stay
1: away from Mary.
0: Continue with the Plague yes. Stories. Please. So <laughs> uh,
1: I had a, uh, I have several of them. I can't imagine the stories you have, Jamie, but uh, one of the first times that I worked with him was at a remote at a uh, local uh, fast food place and it was me him and TJ Oshi or as TJ Oshi him and me and uh <laughs> they brought me in so that people would come of course. and buy and they wanted alone. a crowd yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they want they want Oshi there all by himself and it was a it was a local fast food place And i walk in and it's first time i ever met Mr Plager I, I met him and i and i talked to TJ and then the, the area person like the area manager or whatever comes in It's just, i mean Not stunning, necessarily, but a very good-looking female comes in and starts telling us what we're going to be doing, blah, blah, blah. Plager walks up to her. Oh, no. Licks his fingertip. Puts it on her shoulder, fully clothed shoulder, and says, we need to get you out of these wet clothes.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) See? But it's so innocent. It is. It's not creepy. The problem is that, honestly, here's the thing. The problem is that, in today's right. environment, yeah. yeah, some people would not like that. Right. And I get it. And there's some people that have had really unfortunate things and horrible things happen to them, and, and I get it. Yeah, I'm here for that argument every day of the week. I have two daughters. I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife. It, listen, I'm here for that fight every day of the week. But when Bobby Plager does it, it is strictly for the icebreaker mm-hmm. and the humor yeah. of the moment. Yeah, and that's you know Bobby loves doing that. Like I'll will tell you another one here, staying on that line. And this this one's a little little closer to the edge on this one, but it's hilarious. And he does, he never said it to a a specific individual. He tells a story like it's in the first person, like it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And Bobby comes in the coffee the next morning, and he's got telling his stories. Hey, boys. Uh, I met this, uh, met this girl last night and, uh, oh boy, I walked up to her and I said, uh, how do you like your eggs in the morning? Mm. And, uh, she says, well, I don't know. I, you know, maybe I- I'm not sure. And he goes, hey, do you like them scrambled or fertilized? Oh my God. Now he didn't say that to the individual.
0: <laughs> Thank God. But yeah.
2: over a coffee the next morning, when you know everybody's had a few drinks the night before... And he tells it, like, he's so much better. That was, that was the poor man's version of right. Bobby Plager yeah. telling it. Yeah. But when Bobby tells it, he tells a whole long story that accompan- accompanies it, and he gets to that point, and then he the punchline, right? Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: and, and it was, what's great is when you say, oh, man, you and your jokes. What's his reply? These aren't jokes. He's like, what jokes? What jokes?
0: Was there anyone that winning the Stanley Cup meant more to? than Bobby
1: playing. Man, I'll tell you what, that, seeing him with that and then seeing him, and it was just on Twitter today because of his birthday, when he found out that they were going to raise his number into the rafters with Jackman, I think, was standing right mm-hmm. there, too. And just seeing him, here's this tough, grizzled hockey player been through everything to see, when he realized what Stillman was saying, to see the the transition in his mm-hmm. face. Yeah. To like, oh my gosh, like that. was really, really, really cool.
2: That, uh... Sorry, Jeff. No, you're good. Go ahead, finish, because no,
1: I'm going to add to it. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say another thing that he used to always say was, and I heard him say this many, many times, was in my playing career, I made pretty decent money, but unfortunately I spent 50% of it on booze and women, and the other,
2: uh, and then the other half, I really wasted it. <laughs> so, something, to, something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, uh, he's a fun, one of the funniest guys ever. And by the way, before I say my piece to that, If you ever come across Bobby Plager in St. Louis, anywhere, go talk to him. Yeah, Go talk to him. He loves talking to fans from way back when they got here in 67, and he loves talking to the 8-year-old kid who loves the Blues now. Yeah, He has no boundaries when it comes to the age of the fans and talking hockey, St. Louis Blues, talking anything. He'll tell a story, and it's not always a bad joke. It's, I've seen him with my own eyes. He's got a couple of grandkids who have been a part of youth hockey here. They've been a part of Synergy Hockey. They come to camps and do things, and Bobby shows up, and he always has a Sharpie mm-hmm. with him because he's just used to people asking for an autograph, so he's like, oh, I got you. Pulls out the Sharpie, signs it up, and his grandkids are wonderful. Uh, he's just a terrific guy. And so now leading into uh, my story regarding him having his number 5 retired, <laughs> that night got me. It It got really good for you, dude. It got me, and I was fine up until they lowered Barkley's number Mm. and joined his number, and then they raised them both together to the rafters. Yeah, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how much you think. Guys, don't cry. There was a bunch of us in the alumni box that night. We were like, okay, get the tissues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome, I think it was like though. me and Darren Kimball, and I forget who else, like a couple of sandpaper guys, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. We we're like, get the tissues. Yeah, it wasn't a bunch of second basemen up there in that. Th- <laughs> I can't say that now. I like Brad Thompson. He's a baseball well, player. Course, Apparently, yes, a blister is yes. a real injury in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, for, for those of us that, uh, that, um, you know, and I know, Jimmy, you didn't get to see uh, Bobby Player play, but what kind of player was he? I mean, we all know he was tough as nails.
2: Inventor of the hip Jack.
0: Yeah, really. I yeah. see. Now that he's, is something that I that, which right? I have
2: a big admiration for. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, what kind of what kind of player was? What was tough it? as nails, was
2: man. He was very much like Barrett Jackman, and that's why when Jacks got here, uh, Bobby had said, "I'd like him to wear number 5. That's a true story. Wow. And so Jax was given number 5 because Bobby Plager basically put his stamp of approval on the player. And Jax didn't disappoint. You know, he went out there, blocked shots with every part of his body, including his face. He fought anybody in the NHL that wanted to step up to him. Uh, He gave his heart and soul to this team and this city for so many years. So, listen, the number 5 went to the perfect guy. So if I'm going to say what was he like as a player, look at Barrett Jackman except maybe a little more ferocious.
1: You know what I was going to say? If the only difference, a little little bit of an attitude or a little bit of a – ferociousness probably is the best way to put he it. He
2: had more of an You Like he yeah. went out there looking for trouble, whereas Jax would handle trouble right. and, and go settle scores. But he was very – Jax was always very respectful and was like, this is the way the game is played. You're going to take a beating now, but I have to do this. Whereas Bobby would skate over and – Take your front teeth out with the tip of his stick and then beat the piss out of you. Right. You know? Yeah. Like so that's the that's kind of the difference there. And the hip check, Bobby Player's one of the reasons I went to the hip check when I was here. And if anybody remembers my tenure here, that mm-hmm. was my thing. Yep. And- yep. The
1: the amount of times that you let somebody take the boards. And then you just threw your hip up and just destroyed him. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you the outside. I ain't giving you the inside.
2: And then I just waited for it. And he just closed in and boom, with the hip. It's, it's a work of art it, it, when it's done right. It was a fun game of cat and mouse because guys would come flying down the wall. And I'd always kind of just drift to the middle of the ice just a little bit. And so, and I could always tell that I, I, the timing of it. And you drift to the middle just a little bit. Their eyes would get bigger and they'd, they'd bear down to go down the wall. And that, that's when I'd start the crossovers and just come with the old – hip of beef here, and I'd hit him, and it, I mean, it was hard, and every time there'd be a bit of a yard sale after, Mm -hmm. guys would lose his stick, his glove, be upside down. And you want to see a yard sale, watch old Bobby Plager hip checks, because he would throw them in the middle of the ice. That's the difference, is Bobby came across the middle of the ice, so think about Scott Stevens coming across, but then throwing the hip check.
0: Oh, my God.
2: There were, like... Murders on the ice when Bobby did yeah.
0: it. I mean, I would just think that that is. I mean, you're looking at a concussion or
2: close to it if you get. And yeah, there ain't no helmets back then either. No oh, yeah. helmets to fly off. No helmets, and the the best part about it though is back then, which is weird, is guys would let that happen. Even when I was doing making those hits, I'd lay guys out. And nobody came after me. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, it was a good hit. The hip check is viewed so different than. A, a, like a full upper, like standing up cross ice, middle of the ice, Scott Stevens hit. Now, you do that these days, somebody's running after you to fight you. Right. But you come across with a hip check, very seldom is there any bell to be answered because, like, nah, it's a, it's really a damn legal play. Right. Yeah. Really legal. Look at Nicholas Cronwall when he played for the Red Wings. Jeff, your favorite team. Yeah, love <laughs> those guys. Uh, people would get Cronwalled, as they call it, and he'd <laughs> come in with... The hip check, and now a couple of times guys went after him, but very seldom. And that was in the temperature of, like, just before this era. And the guys were looking for blood back then, but the hip check is just viewed differently. Mm. I got a question for you, Jeff Burton. You? You know. Just mm-hmm. me and you. Yeah, couple just, fans just here. Just oh, Okay, I'll just go now. No, 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 it's okay. no, 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 oh, no. You're stop it. skating. Oh, see, no, right. see, in our you, mind, you're
1: out you there skating around, and we're coming up with question. listen
0: to this question, and you'll understand why I'm not asking you. Jeez, so sensitive.
1: Uh, All right, I'm back.
0: <laughs> so once the conference is split and the wings went to the east, we stayed in the west. Mm-hmm. I just do not look at those wings the same way that I did when I was younger. And, I dude, it. I hated them with every fiber of my soul, maybe even more so than the Hawks. Yeah. At what point – because you're a hockey fan, Yeah. Man. yeah like, yeah, at what know. point does the, the tradition <laughs> of, of that –
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying. Um, it's too, it's a couple of, there's layers. Okay. Uh, long time ago, I had a co-worker, f- friend co-worker, more of a co-worker, nothing wrong with him, but we didn't know each other all that well, that all of a sudden became a Red Wings fan when they were kicking ass. So annoying. You know, so he's that guy. Yep. Which is fine if you I want to that. put a Red Wings banner on your truck. But own the fact that you just jumped on the bandwagon. Sure. And this guy would not let that go. Okay. Uh, Another thing is, there's really three. They owned the Blues for so long, especially with the Russian Five and all that stuff. And then, honestly, when he went and and played for them, it was tough for me. It really was. (laughs) I'll be darned. Yeah, it really was. Because this is going to sound so creepy, but I don't even know if I told you this, Jamie. When you didn't play in St. Louis, I would look at box scores and how you did – Honestly, to even see if you played, and that's not a joke, it's I would see if you played. And as long as you weren't a healthy scratch, I would go through the box scores and see how well you did. That's not creepy, Because I dude. wanted that for yeah. you. Yeah, that's you not know? creepy. That's no. just you following your know, But You pissed me off when you signed with Detroit, okay? <laughs> the Why would you go play with a bunch of Hall of Famers? It's me, man. It's me. How does it affect
2: our relationship? Well, the funny thing about the backstory of signing with the Red Wings, and you know, that was a hard decision. Of course, Because yeah. I hated that team with a passion. And uh I actually had about two or three other offers that year as a free agent. And my agent, Matt Cater, who we had on the live blues podcast yeah. way back when, and we're gonna get him on again because he's he phenomenal. Was fun, yeah. yeah, he's fun, he's great, he's super knowledgeable. He called me and he said, I got an offer from the Red Wings. And we had the Coyotes at the time and a couple other teams I forget that were better offers, were multi-year offers for me. And I was like, Okay, so I'm gonna go play in the Western Conference, because that's where they all were. And uh, he goes, uh, "The Red Wings. I think you should go there." I'm like, "Matt, it's a one-year deal." I'm like, "What are you? What are you high? You know? Like, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm telling you right now." He said, "Those other teams that are offering you a contract, they're not good. They're not good." So he says, "What's going to happen is you'll play for half the season like you think you will, and then the second half you're not going to play much because they're going to bring in all their young guys and consider it." Not a tank job, but we got to get these guys some ice time, some development. Looking gonna... forward to next year. And I was like 30, 29, 30 at the time. They're going to think of me as an afterthought and move on. You know, We'll waive this guy next year. We'll trade him, whatever, because we're going to go with the youth movement. He goes, I'm telling you, Riv, the play is Detroit because Detroit wants to win every year. They like talented young players, but they don't have a talented young defenseman right now. So, yes, you'll be number 7 defenseman over there. But one injury, and you're in. And you're in, like, for the rest of the season. So I signed with Detroit, and uh, I got sent down out of camp for a day. And in that day, Darian Hatcher took a hit against the Ottawa Senators, blew his knee out. I got called back up, joined the Red Wings, and never went anywhere else. It was uh, That year, I played 50 games, had a great season. Um, they re-signed me for two years after that. Ken Holland brought me in his office, and he just said, you did everything you, you, that we wanted you to do. I'd like to offer you, you know, two-year deal. I jokingly said, well, can we start at Lidstrom Money? Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> True story. He I said, can yes. We, can we start at Lidstrom Money? He giggled because Kenny thought I was funny. <laughs> Not just when I played. Um, and he said, you're half as good as that guy. I go, deal. <laughs> deal. <laughs> you're a tough negotiator. He goes, hang on. You're one one hundredth of the player that guy is. <laughs> well, I said, all right, deal.
1: Go, going back to the decision not to sign a one-year deal with a uh, lesser team, if they decided to bring in younger guys and, hey, let's just release Jamie, that looks bad on you then uh-huh. because you couldn't
2: even stick with a bad team. Well, that's the thing, too. That right? was the strategy is if you go to Detroit, and I knew my skill set. I hadn't used my skill set since my first couple of years in the NHL. After that, I was basically turned into a defensive defenseman that ran around and hit everything that moved. Well, Detroit wanted me to come in and play hockey. They were like, we need your physicality because we don't really have any. We've got, you know, McCarty up front and Yuri Fisher a little bit on D, and that's it. He goes, we have Draper and Malpy, but those guys, like, they run around and hit people, but they can't really back it up. And so they said, we need some, some grit on the blue line but we really are interested in your talent. We know you were a massive point-getter in junior. We know your first couple of years in the American Hockey League, you put up big numbers. You made the All-Star team twice. So they said, we want you to go back to that player, and we have the guys around you that can help you do that. And so it goes back to the, I think you've heard this story before, my first game for the Red Wings. It's uh, Chris Chelios is my partner. Just a name drop there, no big right? deal, yeah. So it's Chelios over to Rivers. Three hard strides to the red line. <laughs> Fire the puck in, dump it in, Efficient, go back to the bench and Holly leans forward and looks down at me on the bench. I see him in the corner of my eye, and i 'm just like i 'm ignoring him i'm like i'm not'm i not I'm not, not going because you know he 's going to chirp i don't know something. what the hell 's okay. wrong with him at this point, but i 'm just like i 'm not doing it. I just had a good shift i didn 't get scored on. life is good. He leans down again, looks down now even more so like leaning so far, <laughs> so I see him in the corner, of my eye, I go, what what <laughs> i'm like what the f 's your problem?" He goes, this is Detroit. We don't dump the puck in in Detroit. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, now nah, I'm pissed. I'm like, Holly just called me out, and I dumped the puck in. I thought it was a great play. Apparently it was a bad play. Now I'm in my own head, right? Oh, God. Steve Eisenman, who's sitting right next to me, who's I've known since I was like eight years old from sure. Ottawa and all that stuff. He goes, uh, yeah, Riv. He's like, uh, we don't dump the puck in. And he goes, <laughs> Nobody's going to get it. (laughs) And I go, go, okay, well, what do I do then? You know, he's like, make a play. He goes, you're a talented guy. He goes, make a play. You don't see anything. He goes, back, go back D to D. He goes, heck, pass it back to the goalie. He goes, we don't give up the puck. We keep it until the other team takes it from us. Oh, they sure did too, didn't they? And I was like, okay. So then I start playing that way, and sure as you know what? All of a sudden, things start clicking. I'm playing. At times with Nick Lidstrom, I'm playing with Chris Chelios, I'm playing with Matthew Schneider, I'm on the penalty kill. I'm like, I was like, this is fun. Now, can I ask a question about the role of the agent?
0: One of my frustrations sometimes when I'm dealing with a band manager is that the band manager does not have a realistic look on where the band is at this particular point in their career. All right? But it seems like your agent... In a way is incredibly honest, incredibly direct. So that agent has got to be the one to tell you the way that it is, not how maybe you might be perceiving it, but maybe a more kind of tuned in version of some stuff that maybe
2: you need to hear
0: that kind of thing.
2: It's not all agents either. There's some agents that will sit there and they will just continue to pump your tires and tell you you're awesome and pat you on the back. And, oh, they're stupid for not signing you. They're screwing you over. This player sucks. You should play, not him. And all that does is it creates this awful toxicity in the player's head. You end up hating everybody Mm -hmm. at that point and really doesn't do you any good. So my agent, Matt Cater, was brutally honest. Now, the best thing about Matt Cater was... He was part of the scouting staff that drafted me here in St. Louis. And so he knew from watching me play and coming up through the ranks and then playing in St. Louis in the early years, he knew what I could do. So he knew that all he had to do is get me to have my foot in the door somewhere and that it would take care of itself. And but he was very honest. He's like, listen, this is what we're going in. We're asking league minimum. He's like, you need to prove yourself never mind looking to hit a home run off this, because league minimum, you go back, you get a second, third-year deal, and that way you get to to basically build a foundation with that team, and your pay goes up from there. But he's like, you need to be the guy right now, the consummate team guy, that if you play, you're in a great mood. If you don't play, you don't walk into the locker room dragging your lip. And you don't. And that's what it became. It beca- that actually became a talent for me, to be the guy in the locker room that you couldn't tell if I scored three goals or if I hadn't played in three weeks. And because nobody wants the Debbie Downer Mm. around. You'd walk in and you're like, you know, everybody finds a way to get the hell away from you. And coaches then are like, we don't want this guy around. So for me, it was a a strategy and a talent to uh, be positive, joke around, keep the room light. Uh, And then when I was called upon, the biggest talent was being able to sit out for two weeks and then play like you never missed a shift. That's incredible. And yeah. that that became my value towards the end of my career. I mean, oh, if a... I if I didn't ride a bike for two weeks, I'd have to re, <laughs> re- you know what I mean.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it's just like you think about a pinch hitter in baseball, man, yeah. and you're sitting on the bench for the whole frigging game, and then those that can come and make it happen in situations where it matters. That's a an unbelievable skill. Well, really big news for the NHL this week, and that they sign a huge deal with ESPN and. I I just kind of want to talk about this from a from a fan perspective. I, listen, I don't want to be super critical of NBC Sports or, you know, cuz it was great to have a place to go to watch hockey, but it just didn't feel like it was ever a priority. And I understand, I get the numbers, but do you think that with this moving to the mothership as it were, that maybe this is putting hockey on a little bit better of a of a foundation here in the states? Can you just kind of talk about this deal, man, and what you see?
1: And also, do you know a reason behind how why did they all of a sudden jump back to the NHL? Like, how come? Because I remember when they got rid of the NHL, they put in like, like World Series Poker or something to that effect, and said, "Oh, more people will watch this." What's the reason? Also, along with everything he asked for them to come back,
2: guys, the NHL has grown, right? And so, credit to Gary Bettman. People want to boo him and take shots at him, and trust me, he deserves some of the criticism. And I'll never forgive them for locking us out three times during my career. It's money I won't get back. But the NHL, the game itself is healthy. And it's doing very well. And it's growing. And the ratings are doing very well. And they're not ditching NBC. It's going to be both networks. Okay, I'm sorry. So much like the NFL has you know, CBS and then Fox and then they have ESPN for their Monday night football game, it's going to be part of the coverage for the NHL. And it's essential. ESPN is the mothership of all sports stations. Doesn't matter how you slice it. Anytime you're looking for something, you're looking for an update or this, that, you go to ESPN, mm-hmm. no matter what. And they got ESPN too. They got the Ocho. They've got, I mean, you name <laughs> right. it. Right. And so that it was essential for the NHL to grow the next step with somebody like ESPN. And it's going to help so much. The money that it's going to be a couple of billion dollars worth of revenue coming in immediately for the TV rights, which is uh, the timing couldn't be better. Coming out of a pandemic, yeah. uh, you're going to have the uh, what are the, the billion-dollar entry fee from the, uh, the Seattle Kraken that's going to be distributed amongst the NHL teams. You're going to have this TV money. Things are going to be good for the NHL, and the coverage is going to be greater. And so NBC, it's competition, right? Mm-hmm. So you want the big games. You want the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs versus... Montreal. Montreal, okay? Let's not do that, because it's Canada, right? Okay. That was stupid. Let's go with... California Golden Seals. <laughs> no, if, if, and... if the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, let's just say that. I like to use the St. Louis Blues, but I don't want to be like, oh my God, I, he's looking through blue-colored <laughs> right, glasses yeah, yeah. right Homer. now. Homer. <laughs> yeah. Right, so we'll go, with, we'll go with Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin, against Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. If you want that game, to be on your station, you're going to have to prove to the NHL that your coverage has been excellent of, of their game. And so much like the NFL, where the Monday night football is like the brass ring for all games to have, ESPN went out and bid for it and proved that they could handle it, and that's why they got the big game. So they'll have the the Monday night rivalry or the showcase game of the week, and that'll go to either NBC or it'll go to ESPN. And NBC will have to say, you know what? You know what? It's going to go on Channel 5, the real NBC. It's not going to go on NBCSN. Right. We're going to have to put it on primetime NBC main network because ESPN, they're going hockey main network. So if we don't do that, we're going to lose the big games. So it creates this healthy competition, and at the same time, it's a win-win for the NHL because they're going to be on both stations. Right. It's, it's an epic moment for the growth of the NHL. What can I do
0: to confirm, to keep from, to bar... Pierre Maguire from being associated with this in any way, shape, or form. He won't be on ESPN. I know you're going to yell at me for this, Jamie. No, nobody's yelling at you. I can feel you looking at me that way. I just don't like him.
1: I don't like him. I never will. I don't like him. Let's spin it to the positive and hope Gary Thorne is involved because Gary Thorne,
0: Crushes it, I think. Oh, Gary Thorne's great,
1: but let's yeah. go back to the negative. Okay. I
0: cannot All stand right. Pierre Maguire. I cannot stand that guy. What did he do to you, Doug? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the absolute <laughs> moment that it freaking snapped with that. He had his head.
1: answer ready, so I yeah. can't wait for it. No,
0: this. I did. Who was the one that knocked out Bacchus and did the wakey wakey with the that with was, the, was with? It C- was it Seabrook
2: or Seabrook? was it? Um, Seabrook, I think, said wakey, wakey. Or Seabrook hit him, and then somebody else, Duncan Keith maybe Duncan said Duncan Keith wakey. maybe, yeah, one of those okay. ladies. Whoever got suspended
0: for one or two games because of that, all right, when they came back from suspension, Pierre Maguire was friggin' talking to them like they were some kind of god dang, like... That, like, just some kind of, like, wonderful, beautiful hockey player instead of a cheap son of a bitch that just cheap shotted somebody and got suspended for two damn games. It made me so freaking furiously, god dang, ridiculously mad. And I just, I cannot, like, and I know that this is dumb, and I know you're going to laugh at me, and I know nobody is going to agree with me, but I swear to God, it just feels like that dude roots for the Chicago Blackhawks more above anyone and anything else. And I'm sure it's not true, and I'm sure people will laugh at me, and that's fine, but I cannot stand that guy. I cannot stand him. Sorry.
2: Thank you. All right, let's go to emails. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was Last Minute Blues Podcast. Uh, thank <laughs> you for listening. You guys say you like it when I get worked up. I love and it. And that dude, I that just, was worked
0: up?
1: God, oh, I just... Oh, no. I,
2: know know better than I, no I expected it's really, more.
0: No, nah, <laughs> but it's just, man, I just... <laughs> Dude, you know what we all have a sport we all have a person on tv that just rubs us the wrong freaking way and yeah. that guy just rubs me the wrong okay. way. okay
2: so let me take over for you right now while you breathe get don't, your breath and, and don't you start yell, to... and
0: don't yell at me about this because i realize that it's just from my <laughs> I blues start cl- talking now, but yet. i know but it's my blues colored glasses and i'm not looking at it like a like a journalist would i'm just looking at it like a dumb hockey
2: fan but man i cannot stand that guy Woo! Okay, first of all, I'm not going to make dude. fun of you. Can we just slow it down and let the hamster catch its breath first of all? Yes. That thing's about to have a heart I think attack an aspirin or something. Okay. Are you feeling chest pain? No. Right? Are you smelling,
1: Are you smelling almonds? Lay the down snow? on the ground. Donnie. you smelling all You're the not, snow. not. Okay, good. No, that's a sign. That's good. I'm
2: glad. Would you like to? <laughs> Anyways, um, Look, Pierre Pierre Maguire is an acquired taste. Not a lot of people like him, Donnie, so you're going to have a lot of people right now that are like, "Yeah, Donnie, get him." And I don't disagree. Okay? He does promote the Chicago Blackhawks. Think about that for a second. How many games does Chicago Blackhawks get a year? Who do you think he's going to appeal to? The Chicago Blackhawks fan base. We're going to send a bunch of emails and things to NBC saying, we love the coverage. Pierre Maguire is the best. Oh, let's give him a five-year extension. Pierre goes, thank you. It's about putting food on the table. I get it, man. Now, should he be so blatant about it sometimes? Probably not. And As far as him talking to the guy who injured Bacchus, why does he care? Like he didn't hit him in the head. It's a business, right? I understand, but you're from, fired up from but my Pierre fan isn't. perspective. After
0: getting suspended for two frigging games, you shouldn't treat the guy like he's some kind of d- damn valiant frigging. Tie him up and stone him. In- well, but but I'm just saying that I don't think that he deserved respect at that moment for court, being a dirty City? player. I, I, I just felt like he was welcomed back with open arms after making a dirty so play. So should That's what uh, I mean. should
1: uh, McGuire have brought it up to him when
2: he talked to him, or should he, he just have punched shouldn't have gloated in the face? over him so much I think it so should have been somebody else that they interview. I don't think that you bring... But the uh, story is the guy who suspended coming back. I, I understand. As a
0: journalist, you know that. That's the story. I, I do. I, it is the story. Then, then, then I guess, then maybe then how that it was handled, and how he handled it. broadcast. Yeah, I think I, it's... Just, I just... Okay, and I'm sure that that's some of my Homer bias going over it because oh, I hate the hall. Yeah, but so you're much. also
1: a professional broadcaster, and you see when somebody doesn't do something the way you would do it. So um, don't knock yourself. Over yeah, but it see, but Christ what sake. I would have
0: done would have jumped over the boards and tackled there. Me. You and go. that's not professional in any way, shape, or form. That would probably be frowned upon. That would. <laughs> and and that uh...
1: actually brings us back to Bob Plager, <laughs> hey, who's done that. Who's before. done that hey, before? Hey,
0: who yeah. is that guy that's <laughs> just on top of uh, on top of McGuire's back? Somebody better get him out <laughs> of here,
2: man. Look, Pierre. Pierre is not going to be with ESPN, as far as I know. I think he signed a deal with NBC, NBC, SN, so he'll be over there for the foreseeable future, I think, unless he opts out somehow, some way. Um, But he's been around a long time. He really does know everybody. And he knows a lot. I know that. I've known Pierre Maguire since I was 13 years old. He scouted and recruited my brother to go play college hockey at St. Lawrence University. He was part of the, the coaching staff And every Saturday I'd go down and skate with the team. And Pierre used to let me take practice with the team. And so he watched me play and then he was trying to recruit me too. It goes back a long way. Now, that being said, Pierre is also great at um, making sure that the people who are in positions that can help him are happy with Pierre. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So he's not – unfortunately – Maybe not as neutral as you'd like him to be at times, um, but he's just trying to stay in the game. And,
0: and I understand the knowledge factor
2: too. I'm, I'm not ignorant to that. You no, know, no, but sure. it just, it just the thing He's been that. a head coach in the NHL, he's an assistant coach on the Stanley Cup championship team in Pittsburgh. He's been around the hockey world and professional ranks for a long time but it's aggravating yeah it's a f- completely aggravating I get it man I
0: want to ask you about something I heard you guys talking about on the fast lane yesterday Oh, and it goes back to the game on Monday night uh with Kyle Clifford and some San Jose Sharks uh shenanigans with the guy that Clifford ended up
2: fighting yeah scumbag we call
0: him yeah <laughs> perfect can you kind of work through that and kind of talk about that because I, th- there's just something in this story that I didn't know was like a real thing with
2: players. So, so talk about it. All right. So, to set the stage properly, yeah. we all know Jordan Binnington punched everybody in San Jose in the face <laughs> on his way off the ice the last time when the Blues won seven six. It was awesome. he didn't miss and no stone no stone unturned <laughs> right. I think he swept the leg of the mayor after he got off the ice. <laughs> the guy, the the guy opened the door to let him out. He got he got he the got elbow. Too, yep. He slashed the ticket guy, and I think <laughs> the valet parking guy may have gotten an elbow. So either way, well done, Jordan Binnington. <laughs> and nobody in San Jose likes Jordan. No, <laughs> and you know what? Guess who That's doesn't fine. care? Jordan Binnington. Jordan right? Binnington. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, fast forward to they play them again, and there were some comments made by Evander Kane, and you know he was betting on himself. I think. Uh at that point. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to leave it out there. And so, I think Craig Berube, two reasons. One, Billy Huso is a goalie that's capable of winning those games, and he's got to get those games. It's a team at the lower end of the standings. And Chief won't admit this. We had him on talking about it, and he just said, well, it wasn't really anything to do with the Bennington thing, but if I'm Craig Berube, why would I put Jordan Bennington out there against the San Jose Sharks, and maybe this is a bloodbath waiting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he goes with Ville Huso, and it's well known before the game that they're going with who so well the morning skate of that that day the the game there's a guy named Curtis Gabriel from now on will be called scumbag and he was out in the morning skate and the home team by the way let me set the stage properly the home team skates before the visiting team okay. the visiting team always arrives towards the end middle to the end of the home team's practice so you go out and you take a look take a peek you're taping your sticks you see who's out there see what they're doing. Maybe you see a buddy, you know, you give him a little head nod, whatever. Where are you at? You're
1: at your, your team's bench? Is that where you're Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, in San Jose, you're not at your team's bench because you can't get there the way it's set up, but they have an opening where the Zamboni comes out. You gotcha. can go out there. Okay. There's glass there, and there's so the other— you're right
1: there by the sheet is where yes, you are. Yes, okay.
2: right there, and the players on the ice can see perfectly that people are watching, specifically the other team. And so Curtis Gabriel, scumbag, uh, starts practicing fighting in the morning. He grabs a teammate and starts practicing fighting. Guys— I believe the kids these days call it cringy. <laughs> um, that's cringy. Do, do, do You're guys... called up for three games. Now he's fought in all three games. Good for him, and I get it. He's trying to stay in the NHL, and I applaud him for it. You don't practice fighting in pregame skate in front of the other team.
0: I'm surprised you practice fighting at all. Yeah. Oh same no. Here. Yeah. You
1: have. Same to. here. Okay.
2: How I the hell are
0: you
1: supposed to stay in in shape? Well, I thought you just fought well, all the time in the bars and stuff. Well,
2: that used In to be... between games. Okay, thank you. Let's go Sorry, back. Is Hang it on. not 96 anymore? Yeah, you, you're not wrong. Okay. Um, and that used to be a really mm-hmm. good way to do it, and now it's frowned upon. And, uh, yeah, uh, camera phones really ruined that for oh, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> so much for fun. Anyways, uh, yeah, you have to. You do it. You wrestle around. You want to make sure you're ready to go. And usually you'd find somebody, if you're thinking about fighting a certain opponent... Um, you find somebody their size and stature, and you try to f- wrestle around, and figure out ways to gain an advantage. And yeah, the, it's an art. It really is. I mean, it's just like boxing or MMA. Like, there's a strategy that goes along with it. It's not just grip and rip. Some guys do that, uh, and it works. And sometimes you go to sleep doing it that way. Sure. Uh, So Curtis Gabriel does that, and the guys are like, give me a break. I just wondered. Like, Like I wonder if it was like, get a load of this guy. Were they
1: just like, you said he grabbed a a teammate. Were they they throwing punches, or was it just more of a balance thing? You work
2: on on getting your arm loose, tying up, crossing over, all different strategies to kind of, you know. And Curtis Gabriel's biggest thing is, when the guys grab the middle of his chest, like he reaches out, somebody grabs, he'll take his right hand and kind of pivot his body and throw the hand off. To throw them off balance, and then tries to follow up with a punch because they're off balance. He did tried to do it to Ryan Reeves. He did it to Kyle Clifford. That's his thing. So he's probably working on it, and he should. It's effective. Good for him. That's comeback. Now that being said, um, the guys weren't thrilled. with it. Braden Shen was like, "Good God!" And so Kyle Clifford, you know, he's, he's been doing this for years, and it was his 700th game that night. So to put things in perspective, Kyle Clifford had something on the line. To step on the ice and play to earn his 700th game, which is an amazing accomplishment, especially for a grinder like Kyle Clifford. So they go out for a warm-up, and I guess there's some chirping towards Jordan Bennington. And Gabriel's one of the first guys to chirp him. So Kyle Clifford wastes no time. <laughs> skates right up to him. And he's like, you want to go? Let's go. Let's do this. And you see in the video, Gabriel's holding a water bottle. And he's like, whoa, what do you mean? Not, not right now. You know he's like, "No. Let's, you know, I don't want to say exactly, but Clifford's like, "Let's let's and go. Let's go right now. Right now." And Gabe like, "What the hell's wrong with you? I'm not going right now." And then Kyle Clifford leans on the board and says, "I'm not going anywhere. I'm going right here until we go." <laughs> and then finally cooler heads did prevail. And then Kyle Clifford has first shift of the game and yeah, Scumbag wasn't out there yet at the time. And then he got put on the ice after a whistle and you knew it was go time. Sure. And then they were swinging for the fences. Like there was no holding back, and it was grip and rip from a couple of big boys. But what it did was it settled the game down. Mm-hmm. There were no cheap shots after that. It was a good game, uh, maybe not the Blues' best game. They're probably tired, you know, if we want to break it down like that. But there wasn't any BS after that. And so fighting does take the temperature down sometimes. And Kyle Clifford is that guy that Scotty Bowman used to say. You always have to have a guy to keep the flies off, mm-hmm. the good players. Nice. And Kyle Clifford's that guy. Here's my thing about fighting,
0: just being very honest. I, I obviously, I love a good fight in a game, but then I think about the two human beings that are beating the bejesus out of each other and potentially doing goodness knows what damage to each other, and that's when I start feel, feeling guilty about liking the
2: fighting. Yeah, yeah if, you,
1: if you watch a game where there's not um, a big crowd and a lot of music and this stuff, and you can hear it all, that is very startling. It really is.
2: Yeah, look, there's guys that that fight differently too. There's guys that I call it like fighting for points, right? They they throw punches, but as much as they do have something behind it, there's not a lot. They're just looking for the visual of they landed more and that's it. And then there's guys that are trying to knock your head off. They're they're throwing punches with bad intentions. And that's when that's when it gets scary yeah. because all it takes is one and you know and even for the guy throwing it that's where your hand shatters that's where things happen and luckily over the years the percentages of it are that guys haven't injured themselves in a single fight too badly but the wear and tear on some of these guys over the years and the the mental health that they go through sometimes following it there's been some bad situations so all around it's something that is fading from the game but I don't think it can leave specifically for that reason the other night, is if Kyle Clifford and Curtis Gabriel do not settle it there, then it's going to be cheap shots back and forth all night long because nobody ever feels like this has been settled.
0: Hey, what was the story that broke yesterday about Evander Kane and the Sharks potentially voiding his deal?
2: Yeah, I don't understand the logistics of it. Something to do with his bankruptcy, uh, the bankruptcy court, and the Sharks can get away from... Him paying off his debt if he goes bankrupt, but then they can re-sign him. But I don't get how it's going to work with the NHL. They'd be doing the player a favor, but not necessarily the team. Because his salary is still going to count against the cap. So, I don't know. I just didn't understand it. You'd have to talk to somebody way smarter than me. All right. Well, that's... And it's not don't know a whole lot of those. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) a whole lot of them. I (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) So, uh, Blues will be playing uh,
0: Vegas a couple times this weekend. No Petro this weekend.
2: Yeah, what a bummer. And what what happened? He blocked a shot in the game on Friday or Saturday. I don't know. One of those days with his forearm. And uh, he left the game. Didn't play the next game for Vegas, made the trip, and then it was just determined that something ain't right, so whatever it is, send him back to Vegas, get treatment, get off the road, and do your thing back home. So unfortunately, his his homecoming to St. Louis is going to be delayed, but uh, it is an injury that looks like he should get through it pretty quickly, which is good for Alex Petrangelo. You know, and and it's easy
1: for me to say this because I'm not the Blues and I'm not Petrangelo, but... I'm almost okay with that because maybe when he does come back, there'll be more people in the stands.
2: I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, a player of his stature and what he's brought to this city, specifically a Stanley Cup, never mind all the other years of playing his, you know what, off. Yeah. Um, I think that he deserves a, a very close-to-packed house, hopefully by that point, mm-hmm. uh, to, to give him that standing ovation because he deserves it, every bit of it. They yeah, had to go
1: to Vegas to a block a shot. It's a bunch of crap. So I keep saying that for people.
2: Look at the look on his face. It was I'm, amazing. I'm saying that for the people who
1: said it while they were listening to your story.
2: Jeff, I'm I saw the, the ho- sit, sa- but I didn't I didn't water and I almost bit at it, but I didn't I didn't I knew, it was, I knew it was a hook. Well, listen,
0: we have got a stack of emails that eventually we'll get to. Sure. Uh, if you have got yeah, something that not. you'd like to ask us, and we've got some great questions in here, let us know, LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. Please make sure you're sharing this podcast with your friends that love hockey. If they haven't heard it, uh, play it for them, all right? Uh, we're having a great time doing this, and we would love to answer more of your questions. We'll be back on Monday. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057thepoint, Jamie Rivers from 101 101- E. ESPN. as always let's go blues the last minute blues podcast hear more at 1057 the geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with homeowners or renters coverage Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.
2: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
1: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
2: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.